Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I am delighted to be joined by Dimity McDowell today. Hello, Dimity. You're delighted. I feel so special. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. Yes, yes. Um, so it's been a while since we've chatted. Since I've gotten to have, be on the on the regular, the OG, right? Yeah, like, yeah. What does yeah. OG even stand for? Old guard? Old, old gangster. Old gangster. Oh, yeah. yeah. Original, so. gangster. Original, Original gangster. Original gangster. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, was, I was like sending a signal. Alex, chime in. You're going to know the answer to this. So. All right. Well, so I, there's nothing that I feel original gangster about me today. So that's probably good that I didn't even know what it means. I know that it means like throwback cool person. So I yes, can use it yes. in like regular conversation. But sometimes, you know, you don't know what you're referencing. Right, right. Yeah. Sometimes I have to look up... Um, little abbreviations like that. There's one in the New York Times. I do the mini puzzle online every day and I had to look something up that I, and now I'm not even sure. Maybe it was TWF or TM. I don't know. It was in yesterday's one. So anyway. It anyway. was a WTF, was it? Um, no, I know, what that, <laughs> I know what that stands for. Oh, you had all the elements there. I just had to, you know, yeah. connect the dots. <laughs> and it was not Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, <laughs> uh, so you have a birthday in your house this oh, week. Oh, we do. We do. Um, on Friday, my son Ben is turning 14. So yeah. two o'clock uh, in 2000, what, six? Yeah, I was... <laughs> pushing them out of, you know, a very tiny hole. Um, so, so yeah, it's a Corona birthday and, um, you know, so I've tried to do my best at ordering things. Um, but who knows when they're going to arrive. Um, I mean, they're supposed to arrive. And the other thing that's hard about it is, is everyone in my house is on our same Amazon account. So like you can see, you know, I mean, it's really just me and Amelia using it more, but you know, like, anyone could go see what the gifts were. So I like went to the source, i.e. the Lego store and some other places, but mm. who knows, whatever, you know what, we'll make it work. It's not the end of the world. But I was just saying, it's just hard because, yeah. you know, he's just feeling like uh, he's just missing school, missing his yeah. pals, you know? Yeah. And it's yeah. like, it's weird to get them together for a birthday party when they haven't seen each other for, I mean, a, a virtual birthday party when they haven't seen, uh-huh. he's just anti that. So I've let that rest. I'm not yeah. going to force it. <laughs> um, so anyway, so yeah. we're going to celebrate on Friday. I think uh, Amelia and I will do some kind of, you know, scavenger hunt for him. And then she's oh, making Oh, you're a good cake. at those. Yeah, I'm good at those. And, mm-hmm. um, and Amelia is uh, become the great British baking queen during this thing. <laughs> so she is uh, going to make a red velvet cake, which oh. is a his favorite piece. He's, he's just like, I'm sick of chocolate on chocolate. All we have ever have around here is chocolate on chocolate. So I'm like, yeah, pretty much. Um, so, so yeah. But speaking of cakes, I, I, I I've been dying to hear the carrot cake story. I know, and now I feel a couple of times. The lead up to it, it's just, the build up is too great. But so yeah, so so you know, if we can remember what life was like, you know, just about I don't know five six weeks ago, something like that. It was our anniversary month, and I have been wanting for years to make the silver palette carrot cake the oh, recipe my mom from used to have- Yes. Yes, I know that cookbook. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I yeah. got. I got. My mom gave me all three of them when I graduated college, so that I could, you know, go out into the world and cook and, <laughs> on a silver palette. Yes. And so, and it's in the silver palette. I believe is. I mean, it's definitely based near where I grew up. I think it's in Connecticut, but I'm not positive. So, anyway. So, and my mom had made one a million years ago. I just remember how incredibly tasty it was. So I looked around. I'm like, huh, I have all the ingredients and I'm going to make it because Dimity loves carrot cake. And it was the 10 year anniversary of our business. 
Yeah. So, even though I couldn't share it with I you. I was about to say, like, I mean, I'm there in spirit, but really, yeah, like, yeah. a cake in spirit is not, you know. <laughs> not the same thing. Uh, <laughs> it's a thought that counts. <laughs> so, anyway, so we um, have um, in our circle of people that the very, very small circle of people that we associate with during this time, one of them is our friend Scott, who is a baker by profession. And Scott was, Scott will sometimes come over and like sit, I don't know, probably 10 feet away from me in our kitchen. And so, and Scott's going through a bit of a rough time in his life. And so he was telling me about that. So he maybe wasn't paying as much attention as he typically would be. But so I'm, I'm baking and I'm like, wow, this recipe is a whole lot easier than I thought, everything. And so I have my two round pans and I mm -hmm. put the batter in. I'm like, wow, that's, those are really full, but he's talking to me and he doesn't say anything. So I'm like, mm, well, maybe it just doesn't rise all that much. Um, well, maybe if it didn't have a tablespoon of baking soda in it, it wouldn't <laughs> rise that much. I'm like, oh my gosh. So, so I put them in. So, so it has a tablespoon of baking soda. And that turns out I probably had pans that were eight inch instead of nine inch. And boy, let me tell you that inch makes a difference. And oh. so I look in and I'm like, Oh, how are they doing? I'm like, they are, they are erupting like Mount Vesuvius. They are just like <laughs> coming out of the pan and going onto the bottom of the oven. I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh. So I'm like, okay, okay. So I put a big cookie sheet underneath them. So at least I capture some of that. And then it just keeps happening. And so then that's when Scott kicks into his like, knows everything about baking mode. And he's like, oh, it's gonna take a whole lot longer to cook if it bake, if it ever does, because now it hasn't, doesn't have a top on, you know, like something about the way it forms a top. Oh, it sure. kind of seals stuff in yeah. and you know, then the science of baking takes over. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And so he was kind of the whole time we're debating this tricky situation that he's in and then, I'm like, okay, my situation is small potatoes compared to that. But like, it's like a, you bake a cake like that and you realize how much the ingredients cost. And like, it's not like I can just run out and rebuy them all over again. No, you know? I know. <laughs> well, so did, was it, was, was it salvageable at all or was it? So just he can, if, like he had optimism in the beginning and you know me, I've got lots of that. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. So then I'm like, I am, I'm going to make this puppy work. And so then I ended up putting um, a cookie sheet on it upside down. Down so that at least they went brown on top too much. Okay. Like I was afraid they'd burn. So anyway, so um, oh, and then it was very funny because um, oh, I'll get to that. <laughs> Why that was funny? We ended up they looked so awful, and but I'm like, you know what? I think I'm gonna go for it. And so I didn't bother trying to like stack them up and make them look pretty. So I mm -hmm. made the made the frosting, and then I just served it almost like a brownie that I just slapped some frosting on top of. Yeah. Oh, it was really tasty. I was about to say, you know what? Your stomach does, I mean, you know, I would have come and had some. I would yeah, shun yeah. it. So, so I have since um, repeated it. And I, um, this time, because I still only have my eight inch pans, because I have not, you know, gone out to buy nine inch pans, doesn't sure. seem like a necessity. And so I baked it in a 13 by nine by two, so made it a sheet cake. Um, okay. And then also dropped down the, um, uh, only put in a teaspoon and a half of baking soda, and also cut down on the sugar, because the recipe calls for three cups of that white is like, sugar. That's old school. Yeah, that's so old school. <laughs> 
And did it, did, so did the first recipe truly have a tablespoon of baking? A tablespoon. Okay. So I looked in the, so I, you know, as I say, I own the books and yeah. then I looked online like numerous places and they all say Bon Appetit, you know, attributes it to Silver Palette. There it is. One tablespoon. Go to these other places. Oh, the most tried and true character. And I'm like, why is no one saying that it makes it blow up uh, like a bomb? Wow. Wow. That so, is so funny. Um, yeah. So, oh my gosh. Well, we had the opposite here. Um, we had, oh wait, did, wait, did you try it again though? Oh, oh so the second uh, one turned out. Yes, you did. Oh, it turned out lovely. But then I do have to say the fine thing was, was then that night when I cooked dinner, it was something that was in the oven and my son, John and I were in the dining room. So adjacent to it, but we weren't paying much attention. And we come in and the kitchen is full of smoke because all that like cake oh. on the bottom of the thing. And John goes, he goes, it's like World War One. And I knew immediately what he meant. It was like mustard gas. And he's like, <laughs> I imagine him like dropping to the floor to, you know, bear crawl over to the back door to get it open. To let oh my that God, smoke that's out. hilarious. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow, wow. Have you cleaned your oven since? Have we gotten oh, all please. the remnants? No, oh, I've oh, just, no. I, I've just, you know, and even Scott was like, he goes, oh, just keep cooking with it. It'll just burn off of eventually yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> so exactly. it has it has so um anyway so uh, one day when you come out here maybe for work to okay. eat all, oh, oh maybe when you come out for the retreat in october fingers retreat. crossed yes yeah. yes. yes then we I'll, can have I'll some carrot okay. cake yes that's yeah. so funny so you know so that's that's one uh, that's a staple amelia actually had made a carrot cake here too her problem is is that uh, the, the the middle really sinks, and I don't know if that's altitude oh, or not. I was like, oh. you need to look that up online. You know, <laughs> got plenty Fine. of time to solve that problem. But she made pumpkin muffins um, <laughs> recently, which, as you well know, is a staple around here as well. And that has it's so funny. What made me think of it is that has that used to have three cups of sugar, and I've cut it down to like one and a quarter. I mean, uh-huh. it's just ridiculous the amount of yeah. sugar that they they put in oh. those like kind of carroty pumpkiny things. Yeah. Um, but she made the whole batch without baking. So uh, I, I, I made hockey pucks. Like they are, are so, I mean, I, I was like, well, maybe they're okay. And I t- I'm like, oh my God, no. Again, like it's that feeling of like, I'm just taking all, I mean, and of course we like double the batch because we make, we eat like, like yeah. them so much, right? Just took both muffin pins out to the compost, just dumped. I was like, oh, you have to, because okay. otherwise you will then be like, well, maybe I could just eat, I'll just save one tin of them and maybe we'll eat them. Like, you yeah, know, so yeah. You need no. to like throw them out of the window as you're going 55 down the highway. Exactly. <laughs> just rip that bandaid off. There go the chocolate chips. There go the pumpkins. There yes. goes all the other ingredients. Yeah, they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my uh, gosh. Well, thank you for making the carrot cake. And I'm yes. glad that you got to experience it twice. Your family yeah. got to have two rounds. Yes, yes, yes. So, all right. So we do not have a baker on the show today. That is not the theme. We're not segueing into that. Today's show, Sai, we were supposed to have our guest, Bonnie Tsui, uh, was supposed to be in studio with me because she was going to be in Portland promoting her new book, Why We Swim. Alas, no reading at Powell's or any in-person book tour. So no Bonnie here in my um, guest room studio. Um, a mom of two, Bonnie lives and swims in the Bay Area. She'll join us after this brief break to talk about the wonders of water and swimming. Stay with us. Well, Bonnie, thank you for joining us. I'm sorry you can't be here in person, though. I know, me too. Yeah. That would have been nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And a, an event at Powell's would have been nice, too. So I definitely um, had a little bit of mourning for the death of my book tour. Yeah. <laughs> I will admit that. <laughs> is, but, is, I'm just um, curious, is it going, uh, was it postponed or is it just canceled? Like, what are they doing with stuff like that? 
they have my, well, my publisher is Algonquin Books and they are fantastic. Um, they have tried to, um, well, a lot of venues want to postpone things. So, you know, people sure. really do want to eventually um, have live events. It's just that given the shifting circumstances, it just seems it is it is not, it doesn't really make sense to reschedule anything, mm -hmm. um, yep. but it does, it is nice to know that the desire is still there, um, mm -hmm. but we are trying to, in the meantime, do as many virtual events and conversations and just get creative with, um, you know, providing conversations about the book to their audiences, and so we are trying to do that, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, podcasts are great, too, um, because of that, and everyone is really, I think, hungry to think about things other than coronavirus. So I am here for you. <laughs> yes, we are going to think about swimming, right? Yeah. Uh, so since we are another mother runner podcast, got to ask, what are the ages of your kids and um, do they swim? Yes, they are. Um, Felix is nine and Teddy is seven and they both swim and they actually are um, they recently joined the swim team here locally um, in Berkeley, California, and so they have been really getting into swimming, practicing, you know, a couple, two or three times a week, and they are now doing dry land training on Ooh. Zoom with their coaches, which is just <laughs> bananas to me, um, but their coaches are wonderful, and so that um, the team is called the Albany Armada, and they're just great, um, but I just watch them. I remember the first time I watched them doing the dryland training on Zoom and I actually started crying because I thought this is horrible. They're not in the pool. They're doing dryland training in the living room. It's just was heartbreaking to me. But they are they are getting better at it and they are developing, you know, certain um strengths as well. And and I just applaud the any teacher or coach who has to try to teach young kids through Zoom is just I mean, hats yeah. off. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Well, so you're are you getting on the ground and joining them as dryland or in the dryland training? We are when we can't. Like it's hard to. Um, we don't have a huge space to do it, and so we put them in front of the laptop in the family room, and then we're sort of like in the hallway trying to coach them. <laughs> so we will get down and do our burpees and, and all that. And but it is hysterical. It is just outrageous, like what we look like. When we do. But we do get sweaty. So I think that is always a good sign. Out of That's breath. They look yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Well, and so tell us about yourself as an athlete, Bonnie. Um, did you row in college? I rode um, first year novice crew um, okay. with uh, the Radcliffe women's team, which was insane. That was great. It was so um, intense. And I always, I think what, so I'll back up and say that I swam, um, you know, through my kid years through until college on a club team. And then in college, I just wanted to try other sports. And so I rode crew, but it was always water related sports. So I rode mm -hmm. crew the first year. And then I also tried out, um, tried doing a club water polo, but that quickly to me was just so tiring. It was both of those sports were so tiring. It took up so much time that I thought I just really didn't want, ultimately I decided I didn't really want to do that in college because it just, I didn't leave room for anything else. And so, um, but I loved those experiences because I feel like I have such an appreciation for all different kinds of sports now and the culture of those sports yeah. because I was able to do that. Yeah. It was like, I loved being part of these teams. That's cool. And so uh, we imagine that all the pools are closed in the Bay area. Is that right? 
Yeah, the yes. pools are all closed. Um, are you, are and it's you, funny because... Go ahead. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry, go ahead. It's funny because what? I was just going to say that, um, you know, before all of the pools closed, um, the public pools, you know, the CDC, um, because people keep asking me about, oh, are the pools closed everywhere? And I said, I think they are pretty much not because of the waters, because the water, of course, is treated to kill off viruses and bacteria and all that. And actually, it's pretty safe. Um, and the CDC even said that. But it's just really, it's the uh, associating you know, being on pool deck, being in the locker room, that and the mm -hmm. congregation, that is the thing that is, is hazardous. And so I think that's so that's sort of doubly tragic to me because so many people depend on their community pool for health, you know, yes. and I just feel like all ages, especially the older folks who, um, you know, swimming, the being in the pool and swimming and doing their classes um, is just so life-saving for them. Mm -hmm. um, in both a physical and a mental and spiritual and emotional like connection kind of way. And so I just feel really sad because of that. Um, and I know people are, are struggling with that and trying to figure out different ways to um, get their fix. But, um, you know, that also speaks to how special swimming is in the water, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Are you able to get, I mean, I know you, you talk in your book um, about swimming with the two different clubs um, in the open mm -hmm, water swimming. Mm -hmm, are you, are those available? Or? Those clubs are closed. They actually closed aquatic park. Um, I think just because of, you know, it, it, it was just the numbers of people who were coming and how yeah. close they would be swimming. Um, uh, but the here uh, in Northern California, the beaches are still open though. Um, they're, they've closed a lot of parking lots to mm -hmm. try to minimize crowds and it's, it so far is working pretty well. So people have been really, you know, mindful and keeping their distance. And if they're going to get in the water that they are um, respecting each other's space. And so, so far I've been able to still get into the ocean um, to surf. Um, and I've seen people swimming, uh, but I am just really, I try to go very, very early, mm -hmm. um, even before, uh, I mean, really before first light to try to get there to try to minimize my contact with other people. Yeah. Wow. So you go surfing when it's not even light out yet? Well, I get there and then okay. right when I can see is when I go. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> I was about to say, wow, you are really that crazy. <laughs> yeah, you're wearing your reflective gear in the ocean. Yeah. Bonnie the badass. <laughs> phosphorescent, the phosphorescent uh, giant fish out there. Yeah, <laughs> right. Breakfast. Bonnie is breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Um, but, you know, I think that also it's just we have to all be very careful and not do anything that is outside of our comfort zone, no matter how much we want to do it and so I, I've had a lot of people actually ask me um, who don't normally swim in open water or go out to San Francisco Bay or the mm. ocean and um, you know I said uh, you it's not the time to do it oh my gosh no. <laughs> yeah no oh my gosh no way it's not the time to do it and um, because of all sorts of reasons but also it's really the pressure on the healthcare yes. and emergency response systems to you know be responsible about it yeah, I had a, uh, I have a good friend who is a retired firefighter. She was one, one of the first classes mm. of women firefighters in San Francisco, and she has swum the English Channel. And so she was stationed at a house out near Ocean Beach. And mm -hmm. I mean, just the rescues that they would have to do off of that, which is for those who don't know the name, that's that huge beach on the western edge of San Francisco. And I mean, just the riptides and the changing yeah it's really change um, she had to save she had you to, don't know yeah, yeah she had to save her um 
chief of her um, station one time because they were out there doing a rescue and even the chief started struggling. So it was just like compound. Do you know Caroline Paul? Um, she is a, um, I'm pretty sure that uh, Carolyn, I think she graduated from Dimity Mai's alma mater, Colgate. Um, oh, no. And uh, so, but I don't know her, but I think she was just, I'm pretty sure she was one featured on the cover of our alumni magazine recently. Oh, that's so uh, funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Caroline Paul is a, a good friend of mine. And she's one, when you mentioned the firefighters, I was wondering, are you friends with her? Because she was one of the um, first female firefighters in San Francisco as yeah. well. And she, um, she actually, I, she went to Stanford. Oh, okay. But she transferred to Stanford halfway through, and I'm trying to remember. Um, oh, anyway, she's yeah. uh, she and I had a. Um, she was my conversation partner. She's also my surf buddy. Last night, um, oh. Harvard Bookstore event. So I just thought, wait, small world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> each other, <laughs> and all the badass women know each other. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right. Oh, I'm sure my friend Elizabeth knows knows her. So yeah, I'm sure they do. Familiar I'm to sure me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so when you talked about how, you know, that you did rowing, cause you know, it was a water sport. And so I'm a, mm-hmm. Pis- I'm a Pisces and I definitely feel a kinship with water. Um, yeah. Dimity and I were both rowers in college. Um, we're both uh-huh. swimmers, you know, I love running alongside a riverside trail, you know, that sort of thing. Do you think people, some people have a stronger affinity for water and swimming than other people do? Sure. I mean, I think that comes a lot from what your or your early exposure to waters, right? So in the book, um, in the course of reporting the book, I was very interested in how, um, when I would talk to people about what I was working on, or they'd ask me, you know, what is this, you know, what is the book about? And I would say, it's about swimming, but it's about our human relationship with water, no matter mm-hmm. what your, um, you know, sort of path with it. And everybody had a very strong reaction, it was super passionate, either they love, love, love the water, have always done so, or they also have this equally powerful fear reaction mm. of like, you know, I, I have had terrible experiences with water, I'm afraid of it, I have always wanted to be a better swimmer, or that I almost drowned, and, and so the, that was fascinating to me. So I think that people, we are wired to want to be near the water, right? So even if we're not um, daily practitioners of swimming or surfing or rowing or any of the innumerable um, open water sports, um, water sports, that that we are all drawn to it. We love to be near the ocean. We love to walk and listen to the waves and, you know, go to waterfalls and just mm-hmm. be near the the way that it makes us feel when we look at it and listen to it and just immerse ourselves in it. So we are wired for that. We humans are wired to respond to that. Our brains, you know, have these um, particular uh, changes in our uh brain wave patterns that are calming mm-hmm. and relaxing and kind of stimulate a certain kind of thought. Uh, and there've been studies on this uh, around water. And so I think that we are all have that wiring mm-hmm. now, whether or not it manifests itself, I think has to do a lot with your early life experiences with water. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we've all, you know, we've been talking about our own, um, real affinity for it and how we grew up doing all of these sports and so we feel comfortable in it but there are plenty of people who don't because of their just of circumstances have led them to that but I think we all have a response to it that is um pretty wonderful mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah agreed, most definitely. agreed well and so people um who do do uh get in the water regularly um mm-hmm. talk about like what swimming can do for people like 
like, I know after, first of all, I always dread going swimming, but that's pretty much my reaction to like any workout. Like I always, I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to, but then I go and it's, it's swimming. It's the, you know, I go to a rec center, you know, usually, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, changing once, showering, swimming, showering again, changing again, you know, it feels very, uh, it just feels like it has a lot of layers, but of course, at the end, I'm always so glad I did it. I love the mm-hmm. kind of, you know, sensory deprivation. I love mm-hmm. feeling the water on my head. I love feeling buoyant and I love how it makes my joints feel. I feel so strong yeah. and I don't yeah. hurt. I mean, all those yeah. things are just, just so delicious. And I'm just wondering, you know, what, what water, I mean, I, I, what is, what does it do for you and what does it do for people in general? I mean, it's my experience pretty pretty typical? I think you really nailed it. I mean, from the beginning, I mean, I, I, there are days that I don't want to get on the water. You know, you stand there and feel like you stare at the water and you think it looks fine or it looks cold or it looks hot, you know, we just, yeah. and you just don't want to take the plunge and for whatever reason, and it does require activation energy, like every athletic endeavor to get yourself into the place where you're, you're moving and you're, then in it and and in a zone of flow and um i i totally get that and and yeah. i know but i know enough now that i have done it for so long that after five or ten minutes that i have will punch past that feeling and yes. i will have gotten to a place that i wanted to be in the first place which is like you know quieting the chattering um of my mind and all of the things that I'm thinking about and worrying about and then just getting into a rhythm of swimming and that allows my brain to wander and to feel calm and to mm-hmm. feel you know also in the present like just noticing what the water feels like how my catch is how's my breath you know and and all of that together is so wonderful i mean it's again like the the booing you're talking about the weightlessness that we don't get to have that that's Mm -hmm. that's not our normal condition and so how wonderful and amazing to get to do that you know once a day or however many times a week where it's your where you're seeking that um and i think that is so restorative both from a physical standpoint just again like the the weight and the joints um and the you know everything else that we do on land is is um it is actually literally a burden because of gravity and just like pounding of, you know, it really, it sounds terrible, but um, <laughs> then we got in the water and we are lifted and freed of that. I mean, that I think has such profound um, effects on our mind and body. So mm-hmm. I get all of those things. Yeah. Sure. Well, and you also talk a little bit, which I, um, it's funny cause uh, I have a neighbor who like is always like, and I, I swim like, twice a week, three times a week on uh-huh. a good week. Like uh-huh. it's usually twice uh-huh. a week. And she's like, Oh, Dimity, you, you know, you're, sw- you're always swimming so much. You're swimming. It's so good for you. And her mom, her, you know, who's probably in her seventies or eighties, you know, swims mm-hmm. every day. And she goes, I tell you, it's the secret. It is the secret <laughs> aging well. And, um, and you talk about that, you know, you talk about blood pressure and arthritis and right. just the, like a couple studies about how psych, like certainly running and cycling and other endurance and sports are, good for you, but swimming sense tends to be a layer above that. Can you talk a yeah. little bit about that? Yeah, it produces this just the layer of enjoyment. I think when you don't have to, um, the, 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 you know, all of the burden and, and pressure and um, wear and tear on your joints, it, like doing all of those other uh, land exercises is that, I mean, you can't really discount that 
um, advantage that swimming has on that because over time, just like longevity wise, it is really good to have, I mean, you still have to do obviously strength training and weight bearing exercises to um, maintain your uh, bone mass and muscle strength, right? So I think complement that with, with in your, in your sort of exercise life routine, but um, swimming just allows for you to get the, the cardiovascular workout and, and, and for longer, um, and, and, and all of the, those chemical changes in your body when you are exercising are so great. And, but especially as you get older, you have, we're just, it's just unfortunate how we start feeling the wear and tear more and more. And so swimming liberates us from a lot of the pain and fatigue and grind on our bodies that we just, unfortunately, you know, as you get older, that you just experience. And so a lot of people just, and even people who are, you know, again, suffering from arthritis, where it's just like constant pain, constant swelling, constant resistance to being mobile because they are afraid it will hurt. And, mm. and being in water is, and swimming has been shown to be so beneficial for those uh, patients. And, um, and I think that that extends so much to everyone, um, uh, and especially people who are active, want to stay active, and want to stay active for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I was pregnant, I, I, I liked swimming, um, since I was in my early twenties, but boy, when I was pregnant, I just, it was the, the miracle. Oh, thing. yes. <laughs> I loved, I mean, it was the time when you could get in and just say, oh, right. Just yeah, that you uh, are. Yeah, to be in that position. So to not be upright, to not have, yeah. like you mentioned, the gravity. And then also in the final months, I would have such oh swelling God, yeah. in my uh-huh. hands, in my wrists, in my ankles, and to have that osmosis and to mm-hmm. really... And so that you could, you could see, you know, you go in and you'd, and you'd start swimming and you'd be like, oh, my wrists are so swelled up and you get out and it's like, oh, wow, I must, <laughs> it got forced out. And to, to sense that you like pass something out of yourself into that mm-hmm. water, it's almost kind of um, mystical or, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's wonderful. Well, so Bonnie, I mean, we were talking about how awesome it is and I know all three of us have experienced the magic of it, but Mm-hmm. I mean, you kind of referred to it earlier, you know, when you learn something as a kid, it's, it's so much easier to keep it going as an adult. What about mm-hmm. people who are in their thirties and forties and are like, okay, either they had a bad experience with water or they just never learned to swim. Like, I'm sure you've answered this question a lot of times. What, what's your advice for them? You know, actually a lot of people have been asking me that um, because they have either been decided that they're going to learn to swim, like really, really put in a sustained effort as, a, as an adult to learn to swim um, or to do it more often or to take lessons so that they feel more comfortable in the water. And I just think that that is, it's very brave to do that. You know, it is a, it is a, a something to be applauded and to be really proud of that you do that. I think when we're adults, we don't often we don't often have to do that, right? We mm-hmm. don't often have to make the decision to do something that's hard or, mm-hmm. or um, that we're afraid of. And so I think that swimming, I mean, even when you are a swimmer and you have been swimming a long time, I think swimming does force you to be in that mindset of like, you know, you're a little bit afraid. You're a little, whether it's the condition that you put yourself in. Um, and, um, but that's good. That's learning. That's challenging. And, um, to kind of stretch yourself. And so I think for people who are learning to do it, what's so important is having a really good teacher um, mm. and having a really a person who 
um, understands where you are at uh, with your fears and sort of what you want to get out of it. Uh, you know, whether it's that you just want to be able to go to the pool and do laps and, and be comfortable to, to swim like for 20 minutes, you know, or to, um, to be comfortable at the beach, you know, with your kids, uh, like if you take them into the ocean. And mm-hmm. so there, it's, I think it's important to kind of think about what it is that you want to achieve, or if it's something just as, as basic as like, I want to not be afraid you know, when I go on vacation to be in the pool or when I go um, anywhere, you know, and Mm -hmm. I think uh, to have those goals in mind and to talk to a a really good teacher, someone who, you know, has a good reputation or a friend has recommended to you, um, I think really makes a difference because what it's really personal. It's a very, and I think when you're addressing fears, um, you want someone who you feel you can trust. And so aside from all of the skills, of course, that they will be teaching you, you want someone who understands, um, you know, where you're at when you are learning. And so I think that is actually the most important thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's, let's talk for a minute about master swimming. So I was on, um, when I lived in San Francisco, I was on the University of San Francisco master's team in my mid twenties. And I mm-hmm. sw- swam with all the um, 70 year old people. Cause I was so slow. Um, <laughs> and, and this guy, Vic had this huge scar from his triple bypass, open heart surgery. Wow. Um, and, uh, and I know that Dimity trains occasionally with the master's team there in Denver. So for people mm-hmm. who don't know, can you, you know, from your research and, and I don't know if you've been on a master's team, but kind of draw us a verbal picture of what it means to be a master swimmer and how it's really for me, it was an eye-opener how different it is to be an adult on a team than it is to be a child on the team. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I um, so I joined a master's team in the course of writing this book. Uh, mm-hmm. So I actually ended up joining the master's team at the same time my older son joined a swim team for the first time, too. So mm-hmm. he was, at that time, six. Mm-hmm. And I was 40. <laughs> and I was like, what am I... You know, this is very strange to, um, you know, to be putting myself back in a place where, you know, when he, when, when I was six, you know, seven, eight, joining, you know, learn taking some lessons, learning, um, and then joining the swim team. Um, it was so funny to see that, to examine that parallel and to see, ask him questions and see how he was, um, responding to this new endeavor. And I, had chosen to join the master's team um, at my pool. So I'd been swimming just, you know, I, I do my own workouts and I, for, for quite a few years, the, the master's coach at the pool mm-hmm. would ask me and say like, you know, you should join us. It's great. And I knew a lot of people who are on the team and I just couldn't make it work. I said, I've got like the practices were either like, you know, just the butt crack of dawn at 6 a.m. <laughs> and I couldn't make that because I have to, you know, get the kids ready for school or, um, yeah, and then go to work. And so I did not have the flexibility in my schedule to do that. And I just kind of poo-pooed it. Also, I resisted actively this, this idea. I wasn't ready for having a coach again to kind of mm. tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. Because I had spent so many years unlearning that, like learning how to swim, uh, 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 you know, for an hour in the water and not be concerned about um, splits or you know mm-hmm. sets or whatever and just swimming because it felt good and swimming you know the different things that I wanted to the workouts that I wanted to do just because I wanted to do them not because I was doing them for a time mm-hmm. and then I thought you know I really want to invite that back in my life but it was interesting to see my son 
um, kind of learn to um, learn that, you know, going to a swim meet or like learning how to dive into the water and do a racing dive and perfecting his strokes, that that was hard for him. It was challenging for him. And, and he, uh, like learning how to receive that instruction, I was doing the same thing again. It was so funny. Um, but what I have gotten in the last few years from this master team is just um, the community is just Mm -hmm. I love the folks on the team. I love that the practices are so fun. I love that we all kind of like move along in the lanes like schools of fish. <laughs> and it's just, um, you know, there's a really nice feeling of, um, you know, you do this thing together. Everyone's at a different level. There are different lanes for sort of your speed and, and comfort level. And um, it's just, A, it's really nice to be, not have to think about the workout that you're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, so I would go um, before, you know before the pandemic I would go um probably make two practices a week and then swim two times on my own and surf the rest of the time and that was a pretty great I look back and I think that was a pretty great thing I had going on <laughs> it's coming back um, I, it's coming I back know I don't yeah. know when but I, I look forward to that day but we'll yeah so I yeah. yeah just 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 hear you talk about it because my master's team that I go to is very casual I mean the coaches in the water yeah us, you know and it's very oh, much great. like you know she tells us what workout to do and then there's laughter and then you go and then and I mean there's and, and she's like yeah there's the Colorado masters if anybody wants to swim mm. I, I have no desire to swim in a swim meet again ever yeah um, but yeah. you know just it's just very relaxed and I always kind of I didn't look at it as a burden but it wasn't like a highlight of my week and now I'm like oh we have like a group text going like I miss you guys like it's you fun you know it. yeah, yeah yeah so yeah. it should be good well so Bonnie yeah. in um in your book why we swim you go pretty much like look at different parts of swimming all around the world, like with different pockets um, in like, mm -hmm. you know, Iraq, in Japan, and um, you talk to uh, Kim Chambers, you swim a lot with her. She's the star of that Kim Swims documentary mm -hmm. on um, mm -hmm. Netflix, which was so good. So Watch good. That. That's a good, oh, good. good coronavirus recommendation. Um, so I'm just curious, like what, what was your favorite part of the, the book to report? Oh boy. Um, I really loved all of those moments that you mentioned. I loved uh, specifically also going to Iceland. Oh, I was going to say the, that, 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 that pronounce his last name for us or his name. <laughs> Good looker Fred Thorsten. <laughs> <laughs> I had to learn a lot of things about the Icelandic language for sure. Um, but his uh, nickname is Loye. And so he and I became, well, I'll back up and, and explain the story a little bit, but he um, is this fisherman who in, 1984, he um, was in this, uh, on the fishing vessel, this trawler off the coast of Iceland, and, and it uh, overturned. And everyone perished except him. And he swam six hours um, in 41 degree water to shore. And this is the middle of the night. He followed the lighthouse light. Um, and he survived um, because, one, because he was an excellent swimmer. Uh, he, you know, Iceland is of course, a nation of islands and um, surrounded by water is a fishing culture. And so, for you know, uh, swimming education has been mandatory with uh, kids for a long time. And uh, he also survived because of his biological quirk, which was his fat layer. His body fat was two to three times normal human thickness, and it was more like a, like a seal than uh, humans. And so it kept his core warm. And he was the first person who had ever been found to have this 
um, body composition, um, just how he physiologically was able to survive because it was when people were just like stunned that he was not at all uh, hypothermic. He just was a little bit dehydrated. He swam on that whole time and was wearing, you know, a flannel shirt and work pants the whole time. And then he like staggered through the snow to, to get home. And it was so, I mean, it, he was a pretty famous figure worldwide for a long time. And of course in Iceland and um, his survival story is just really something that captured a lot of people's imaginations and there's some movies and a lot of medical studies and um, journalistic articles written about him. And, and he became something of a, a, a recluse, at least from the media, because it was something that he wanted to publicize the need for self-deploying life rafts yeah. with all of the fishing fleet in Iceland. And so he kind of worked to do that and talked about his experiences and wanted to help the medical community with, you know, just sort of like studying why it was that he was able to withstand and resist the onset of hypothermia. But then after a while, of course, you just want to go on and live your life. And so he did and didn't really talk to journalists um, for many years. But I, I, I wanted to respect that privacy, but I also wanted to reach out and see if there was a way that he would talk to me um, in a way that he felt comfortable. And so I wrote him a letter and um, we were pen pals for a year before we met. Uh, and that was so a really cool. special experience. Yeah, he, um, it's fair to say that he and my family are friends now. We went actually last summer to visit him and his wife, um, my husband and I and our two kids. And it was just so joyous, you know, that that oh, lawyer is a member of our family. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's great. Yeah. Awesome. So awesome. that was a really special, I mean, you're asking me about like what of these stories I, that one I think was really, really special, but so many of these um, people I met uh, and who were so generous with sharing their stories with me for the book, uh, just, you know, talking about how swimming changed their lives, how they were, um, you know, their relationship with the water and how that changed over time. I just really appreciated that. Um, that generosity that they had. Well, and so one of the people that you write about is Dara Torres, who is a, um, what is she, a four or five time Olympian? I mean, she is just five time Olympian. Five yeah. time, yes. And, <laughs> and her last time at the Olympics was when she was 41. She had numeral, numerous comebacks. And I mean, talk about badass. I mean, she just defines, I mean, we do. So at one point, oh, this, this is a little highway off ramp for a second, but um, we do exercises in this many happy miles group that we, that we have. It's like an annual membership. Uh -huh. And so I always am looking for like new things. And so she's got an ab routine on the web and it's like three minutes and or four minutes. <laughs> and like, everyone is like, I, I literally like pulled a minute of it and everyone's like, Oh my God, the scissors and the flutters, the scissors and the flutters, which is probably what the dry land training is like for your boys. But, yes, I actually, exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. So doing that. So, I mean, did, did you get to meet her? Did you just interview her over the phone and kind of give us a little picture of, of what, she, what, what she's like? Sure. Um, I interviewed her over the phone a few times and, um, and she's just hilarious. I mean, she is so, uh, she's so conscious of how her brain in competition mode is so intense and how that has just sort of been like the driving force of her life. And clearly in the, in the five Olympics that she's been in, also some of them are non-consecutive years that the first, um, 
you know, I think the first, the, in the book, I talk about how the first uh, Olympics that she was a part of, like, Michael Phelps wasn't even born yet. <laughs> um, and then, you know, in the, I think in Beijing, he was there, and, um, you know, that she's still in her prime, and, you know, that, that the last Olympics that she was in, um, where she was doing, you know, she was 41, and she was seated first in the final mm-hmm. of the 50-meter freestyle. Like, it just was absurd how in- incredible she is and how, um, you know, committed and and just a very tremendous athlete, like, both physically and mentally, just really strong. And she talked about how um, she'd always been super competitive. Even when she was a kid, she would, like, race to get in the car, and she would, like, you know, whoever was the first person to, like, call their mom on her birthday and you know just everything in the competition it sort of like motivates her and and um it was really interesting because i am not uh, to, to your point i think divinity you were talking about um you know being on a master's team and not really wanting to compete i i am not i don't really like swimming either and i've actually i i went back to do a couple of races you know for this book just because i wanted to see what it was like and if i had what my feelings about it were. And now I find that all I want to do is like, I love going to practices. That's about it. I don't, I don't <laughs> love, I don't have that driving for the, yeah. in the race situation where like, I mean, really like when I get in the race situation, all I need want to do is go to the bathroom. So <laughs> I, just, I think it's the reality is that like my fight or flight response is like, Holy shit. Like I need to get up, you know, I want to run away. And, and for her, she runs towards, you know, she runs toward it and she thrives on it. And she, and she said, you know, like going to the bathroom, that thing, you know, it's inconvenient, but like, you know, you're at the top of your game, you're, you're in the, uh, you know, shaking out your limbs, you're getting on the blocks and she loves it. And she loves to feel like she's done all the work to get to be with these amazing people at the top of the game. And um, I just found, I wanted to talk to her because I wanted her to give us a glimpse of what it's like inside the mind of a competitor who's so intense. Because, yes. because that drive is absent in me and so I thought who better to talk about it than her yeah, um yeah. you know and then like you said even now you know she's I think 50 oh she's around she's, yeah if you follow on Instagram she's like doing like bar like yeah moves on you know in the middle of like the Palm, Palm Beach desert like you know yeah like with, I her, mean she's just she's just uh, I mean she, she is a very 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 driven person yeah, I've seen her do recently these, um, you know, the little exercises. I think I, I saw her on Twitter, and she said, "All right, the triceps," and then she's, you know, she's demonstrating these things using like, um, uh, like soup cans or something. Yeah, and I yeah. just love that she's, you know, she's trying to make it accessible to the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's a funny anecdote <laughs> that you share. There's a funny anecdote that you share in the book about, um, so she, so in that that 50 meter. Um, freestyle she got out touched at the very end by what yeah a, a yeah. thousandth of a second i think um by yeah, the german athlete or a hundred a hundred a hundred yeah, yeah. uh-huh. and so she called her coach who was in a hospital for something else uh, and she's like what did i do wrong and he's like you didn't hit the wall hard enough so when she did the relay next she basically broke her thumb because she hit the wall yeah. so hard and swam like the yeah. fastest split ever for the the hundred meter relay like that her, is a great yeah that is basically the best anecdote to illustrate how driven she is and she just like takes the note and then she like basically punches her hand through the end of the pool (laughs) (laughs) i know when i was reading that part of the book i'm like no when she you know just got out touch i'm like no no and then the broken thumb i'm like oh (laughs) (laughs) but you know and you hear her talk about it and she's just like super matter of fact about it like uh 
yeah, of course I did that. Of course I punched my hands in the like I had to do something. <laughs> it's really uh, fascinating to me. <laughs> oh my goodness! So, so uh, switching tacks a little, you um, wrote very, you write very poetically in the book about getting accustomed to swimming in the fifty-something degree San Francisco Bay, including mm. repeating the mantra of "relax and breathe." And for me, that touches on something that's so critical in swimming that makes it so different from running and it's controlled breathing. You know, like when you get running, you know, you're going up a hill or whatever, you can always stop and walk and there's all this oxygen around you and you get Mm -hmm. when you're swimming and there's a bunch of water around you, you can't pant in the water. So, um, Mm. so kind of talk about the relax and breathe attitude. Cause I think, um, particularly for some newer swimmers, you can get kind of a little panicky feeling. Yes. And, and so much of that panic is tied to the way you're breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so what is so interesting, the way you point out about swimming, it makes it different from other sports is this pattern of breathing that it tends to encourage. So you take a dig, you know, a deep breath, a big breath, you hold it, and then you exhale it slowly. Mm-hmm. And that pattern of breathing is, uh, it's how we it calms our nervous systems. It, mm-hmm. it actually counteracts the fight or flight because it's, it's telling our nervous system to calm down. And mm-hmm. so that feedback loop is beneficial, I think, just for, you can think about how when you get out of the water, you, you just feel like pretty, you feel pretty relaxed. You feel pretty, um, you know, you've worked hard, but you mm-hmm. feel this sense of, um, I think, calm and sometimes euphoria. Mm-hmm. And depending on like sort of, the idea how you've been swimming the extent of exertion that you've been putting in um and i think for a lot of newer swimmers they can't get their breathing patterns right and so they're gulping for air and so actually basically hyperventilating a lot and so Mm. they're like you know like constantly because they're afraid they're not going to be able to get enough air in fact if you hold your breath and kind of let it out slowly you kind of start to realize that you have a lot more air in your lungs than you think which Mm -hmm. is always the case always 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 it is and it's actually, um, if you play around with being um, underwater, like when you, it's actually really useful for every, well, every a swimmer at every level is to spend a little time in the shallow and just underwater, like seeing how long you can hold your breath mm. and then how much more um, you can actually be on where you think like, oh, I'm really uncomfortable. Mm. And you have a lot more air in your lungs than you think. Um, and so once you kind of start playing around with that, and there are all these deep breathing and um, breath hold uh, tutorials out there I'm not going to get into, but there is a lot that you can really learn and you can learn how to do these things um, to increase your breathing capacity and your lung capacity. And uh, it's really amazing. And so that, that goes a long way towards alleviating the anxiety and the fear um, around swimming and not having enough air. So mm. I really encourage people to do that actually. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, my best running friend, Molly, started swimming to do a triathlon, I guess it was mm-hmm. four summers ago. And she just would sometimes get yeah. so panicky and we would go to this pond together to swim and she would definitely stay in the shallow part mm-hmm. so she could stand up at any point. Mm-hmm. And she just would sometimes you know, have to flip over on her back and mm-hmm. um, just really, um, work through it a lot and yeah and I think that probably I mean she probably has had experiences where she was really really afraid that she was going to drown and and a lot of people have that and so I think it leaves um 
you know, some PTSD. And, and certainly I think that if you're not comfortable putting your face in the water because you feel like you, you know, somehow that is, is restricting your access to air, which does, of course, but you always know that, that you can turn your face. But if you don't actually feel that to be true, I think that it can really, um, you know, instill that feeling of panic. And so I think that's where spending some time to test how you feel in a mm -hmm. safe place, like in the shallow end or in the shallow part of that pond mm -hmm. um, is really helpful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm curious, um, if you had to choose, would you pick uh, like an outdoor pool or open water swimming? And if it's open water swimming, where, Bonnie? Um, I will tell you what, uh, what for me now is what I prefer and is an open water pool because I get the open, um, Sorry, the, an outdoor pool for for uh, outdoor pool for swimming because I get that open water experience from surfing now. Oh, and so sure. That's why. Um, I think that if I didn't have surfing, um, because what I love about surfing and what I love about swimming in open water is the sense of expansiveness and that you're in this amazing landscape, uh, mm -hmm. waterscape, and you just this sense of perspective of knowing like where your place is on the planet and. I, you know, what am I doing most, most, most of the time for work? I'm sitting on my computer. Mm -hmm. And um, so what I love about being out in the open water is the sense of perspective, right? So there's the waterscape and there's um, just being that, knowing that you are part of something bigger. And mm -hmm. I think that is really important to kind of bring back to the rest of my life. And I know that any day that starts out with a swim in the pool or a surf in the ocean, I come back having gotten what I need to be able to do what else I need to do in life. And I, and um, what I was thinking is that, that you two both really understand as well to be a better mother, to be a better partner, to be a better, just human, you know, for everyone involved <laughs> that, that I have that um, I know what I need to get to be the best person I could be. And that has to do with being outside, being in the water um, and kind of like, basically like moving my feathers back, you know? Yeah. There's one quote that I wrote down from the book. I think it was from Kim Chambers, but she said, the days I don't get in the water are the days I don't feel right. And I'm like, yep, mm -hmm. you could take, you know, get out on the road, make it running, make it whatever it is that brings you to that kind of Zen, calm, mm -hmm. positive mm -hmm. space, you know? Yeah. 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 Thanks a lot, Bonnie. That was really yeah. fun. That was yeah, that really was fun. That was really good. Oh, me and too. Really, yeah, it was great. Yeah. Reading your book, man, I just was just like, oh, I just want to get in the water. I just want to get in the water. <laughs> I'm like feeling so like wistful right now. Yeah, yeah. I hope that, I mean, I, I actually, I got a few letters that were um, really nice and uh, and lovely, but then the people that said that it made them really sad and I was like, oh, I don't want people to like cry because they said that they were like crying at the end of the book and I was like oh, I don't want that yeah but I do want them to get they do get the sense of being in the water and I and I hope that that's the positive that way yes yes, yes. Yeah. and it's, it's just it's just a circumstance right it's not your book yeah. it's that it's that oh, they yeah, love this thing so much and the point that you made about like the health that is so true I mean I for, I'd totally forgotten about that aspect of all yeah. the water aerobics classes that go on when I, I mean all yeah. those older people like they love it. It's their community mm -hmm. and it's mm -hmm. their exercise. And yeah. oh, yeah. it's tough. Yeah. I did everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. All right. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you. All right. Take care, both of you. Bye bye. Have a good day. 
I mean, I kind of wanted to say like, take me away, Chlorine, instead of take me away, Calgon. I <laughs> yeah. kind of, that's how I feel these days, right? Yeah. Get me back in the yeah. water. <laughs> exactly. Where I can't hear anything. I can't hear anybody chewing or I'm um, slurping. Those are, those are my favorites in my house. You're, you're breathing too loud. You know that you're breathing too loud? I don't, just relax and breathe thing. I don't care. Let's just relax and not breathe anymore. All right. Stop, stop sniffing, mom. Why are you sniffing so bad? Just blow your nose, would you? Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> it's funny because it's so crazy. true. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, um, if you're listening to this show as it comes out on uh, Friday the 24th or that weekend, please know that Sunday, April 26th, is the final day to pre-order our special Outrun Tech Tank Top. It's a beauty. It's lightweight tech fabric. It's a go with everything, iron gray color. It has this motivating phrase, the words outrun stacked on top of each other. But then when you take a little closer look, you see it really says, get out, go run. And so that's kind of our message, a little kick out the door, as well as uh, a hug to make you feel um, empowered during these uh, troubling times. And then also 5% of sales go to the hashtag Emerge Stronger Initiative by the Oregon Food Bank. Um, a cause we feel very passionately about and we're pleased that we can help out in that way. Um, to grab one of those tank tops, you can go to motherrunnerstore.com. Again, that's motherrunnerstore.com and pre-orders um, end on Sunday, April 26. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles, maybe even in the water at some point.